Shelton in Lost Canyon, Texas, in the last week in July, 1978. I'm making a tape here of some of the experiences that I had and I've heard about in local politics, being mainly the local Democratic conventions. That would be the precinct conventions and perhaps maybe some of the things that happened in the county conventions. But uh, that would be the purpose of this tape. I have made a, uh, an hour and a half tape on the, the state conventions that I've gone to, and this will be tape number, what we'll call number two, and be 45 minutes of the experiences we had in, on the local level. The first precinct convention that I went to must have been about when I was seven or eight years old, maybe nine. But anyway, it was the precinct convention held in uh, west part of South Austin. There were two precincts out here, the east first and west first. And Congress Avenue, South Congress Avenue, divided the two. And uh, this was uh, being held in the meat market that belonged to Mr. Sam Red on the west side of South Congress Avenue, right almost directly across from where the fire hall is out there in South Austin now. And uh, the reason I went is because of this situation. My father was rather hot-headed. He was always on the wrong side on the issues that were before the convention. I believe in that, at that particular time, the question of woman suffrage was being fostered. And uh, the women, I believe, were able to vote. I'm not sure. It might have been before that. But anyway, the meeting <clears throat> was going to be held at Mr. Sam Reb's meat market, of all places. And the market was located on the west side of, of South Congress Avenue, uh, almost directly across from where the fire hall is now. And the people that generally attended were, were few, as they are now. But uh, Mr. J.W. Templer, who lived way over where Lamar is now, not back in the woods in those days, and Mr. Henry Nolan, who lived over uh, just, uh, uh, what I'd say, on the east side of the railroad tracks, and uh, then uh, uh, Mr. J.M. Crawford, he had his uh, feed store, or had on the building where the feed store was, on South Congress Avenue, and, and they'd bring their wives, and, uh, and a few other people, and the only one that Papa could ever muster up to go down there with him was Mr. Simon Gillis. Now, that's long before Simon Gillis ever thought of running for city council. And, of course, uh, to acquaint you with it, Mr. Simon Gillis later became a member of the Austin City Council and remained on the council for as long as he wanted to run. And he was one of the finest and most, uh, most honest men that ever uh, participated in politics around Austin. But anyway, on this particular occasion, well, they were holding this meeting down there, and, and Mama sent Johnny and Polk and me. All of us were little, I don't think I was even a teenager yet. But Polk and Johnny were probably teenagers, and we went along for the specific purpose of bringing Papa home after he got mad, and uh, maybe help him if he got into a fight with these people. And Mr. Gillis went along uh, just to see that he didn't get in a fight, because when Simon Gillis was on your side, you might as well have an army, because he was a, uh, he was just one of the strongest men around Austin, and very quiet and, and, and polite mannered. But when he was sitting next to you, uh, it behooved the other people on the other side not to start any fisticuffs or have any fight. Well, now, here's where the meat market was situated. You go in the door, 
and on the left, as you went in the door, was a chopping block, a big old round wooden block, and uh, around the sides of it where the butcher knives were stuck in little uh, leather uh, holsters, and, and on top of the chopping block was a big old meat cleaver. And Mr. Red would bring his meat, he'd, he'd get meat each, each morning that'd be slaughtered in South Austin here, and he'd bring it in, and he'd uh, lay out a, a, say a, a part of it on this meat chopping block, and he'd cut it into the... Uh, sizes that he could display it in a display case. <clears throat> His display case now was in the middle of the room and it was open on both ends. It wasn't a very big room. It wasn't more than I'd say 10 by about 20 feet. And so um, uh, then on the on the west side away from the door uh, from the, the meat counter was where he would stand and he could get into the, the, the this display case and get the meat out and weigh it on his scales and had his cash register on top of this a display case. Well, Mr. Red was nice enough to let the, the uh, I believe Mr. J.M. Crawford was slated that night to be the, the chairman by the group that which I'm talking about. Now, Mr. Uh, Henry Nolan was strong against Papa and, and, and uh, that kind of politics on the suffragette issue, but uh, he was uh, our client. I drew Mr. Nolan's will and represented him for years, and Papa did. We were the closest of friends otherwise. But old man uh, uh, Crawford uh, he had built a building down on South Congress Avenue then. My uncle Crawford Greer was renting it and running a feed store at that time. But he lived over on the east side of Congress Avenue and didn't get to participate. Uncle Crawford did. Well, there was the meeting, and <clears throat> it came to order, and they decided to make Mr. J.M. Crawford the, the chairman. And he was a naive sort of an old man, but he got back on the the uh, opposite side of the of this, this meat display counter from the meat block. And all the delegates had to stand between the, the display counter and the, the door. And there we, we were over there next to this chopping block. And it wasn't, but I, I would say there wasn't more than 15 people there. And we had room. We just stood up. Well, the first issue that came up well, was the hot issue, of course. They wanted to get it over with and get on home. And uh, somebody <coughs> uh, suggested to Mr. Crawford that Father was not supposed to, to speak on this issue. And Mr. Crawford uh, ruled him out of order when Papa got up to castigate the people for their views and, and uh, on the opposite side of his. And, and uh, old man Crawford told him that he couldn't talk. And uh, he shouldn't have said that. So Papa was already mad because he knew he was going to lose. And he had worked himself into a lather, I think, before we got down there. So there was uh, us, us five, Mr. Gillis and Papa and the three little boys uh, over next to this meat block. And there was that meat cleaver hanging in the block. So Papa pulled this meat cleaver out of the block and he started around the old men of one of this, one old men of this meat counter and Mr. Crawford saw him coming and he knew Papa's reputation for being a fighter and, and he didn't think Papa would cut him in two with that meat cleaver but he didn't want to take any chances so he took out around the other end of this meat counter and of course the other delegates they got over as close to the door as they could and was on and on no Mr. Shelton don't do a thing like that and Simon Geddes of course is right back at Papa as close as he could be with him to, so he could hold him down in case he got close enough to hit old man Crawford with this uh, meat cleaver and was of a notion to do so. He figured Papa was just bluffing but anyway uh, you, you never could tell about Papa when he got mad. So Mr. Gillis was next to Papa and, and uh, Johnny and then Polk and me. We were all just like a bunch of ducks going around that counter and old man Crawford was in the lead and he stayed in the lead too. We went around the counter about two or three times and, and Mr. Crawford finally decided that maybe he'd let Papa have his, have his say. And so Papa come back and he stood at the meat block and had this cleaver in his hand and he made some kind of little speech. Well, it was a, a very terrifying experience to me. 
because I knew what Papa could do with a razor strap in his hand, and I figured that if meat cleaver would be a whole lot worse. But that was my first experience, and of course, after Papa got his say, and Mr. Crawford put the, the vote to the to the to the forum. Well, the forum, of course, promptly voted against Papa, although they're all close to the door when they did, because they wanted to get out in case he took issue with them. But that was my first experience at a at a convention, and as you might guess, it was a rather traumatic experience. I want to intercede here also some of my personal feelings about that particular event because at that time Mr. Crawford's uh, daughter Ellen was about my age and she was uh, starting the first grade with me at Fulmore School and Ellen was my sweetheart and uh, she had long curly hair curled and hung way down below her belt and, and I thought she was the prettiest thing I ever saw and uh, uh, I never would go, go close to her home because her daddy looked so mean I just knew that he had run me off but I was about eight, nine, eight or nine years old and Ellen was my sweetheart and I knew that after Papa had taken in after old man Crawford that my goose was cooked so far as my romance with Ellen was concerned and it, it was so the next experience I had on precinct conventions was apparently either two or four years later and uh uh, it was held down at Mr. Jackson's store. It was a regular store uh, down at the uh, southeast uh, corner of the Deaf and Dumb Institute on the west side of Congress Avenue there from the Terrace Motel entrance now, where the Terrace Motel is located now. And uh, I don't know what the issue was, but that was far enough along to where probably the issue was uh, uh, prohibition. And uh, Papa was a, a very a teetotaler. He uh, he was raised in a home as a staunch Baptist, and his mother, his father, had been a uh, an alcoholic, and he just had a terrible experience as a, as a young man. And, and Papa had been superintendent of the Baptist Sunday School out in South Austin there. And but when he was a staunch, uh, he was so tolerant that he was a staunch anti-prohibitionist. And although he never had any liquor in our house ever, and never would permit any of it in our home, but uh, he was. Uh, he believed everybody else had a right to do what they pleased. And so they asked him to resign as, as, as superintendent of the, of the Sunday school, and he did do that. And at this particular time, he was not uh, associated with the Baptist church. We had all turned over to the Methodist church at that time. But anyway, this convention came up, and Papa was taking the issue for the, the anti-prohibitionists, and, and uh, the same group of people, Mr. Templer and, and Mr. Nolan and this other group, were all prohibitionists. And they had brought their, their women to this meeting because the last time they... I wasn't sure whether they brought them not down there to vote, but they were able to vote at this particular time. And I must have been maybe about 14, 15 years old then, maybe maybe a little younger. But I don't remember whether Simon Gillis went. I think maybe Mr. Gillis had enough politics for to do him for, for 8 or 10 years by that time. But Papa had to go, and Mama didn't go. Uh, she just wasn't going to get involved in something and, and be embarrassed by what Papa did. So I was down there, and the... Uh, Motion was made, and I'm sure the, the chairman of this convention, this precinct convention, was not, I know it wasn't Mr. Crawford, and probably the man that uh, accepted the chairmanship was was not at the other convention because he wouldn't have been naive enough to want to be chairman of a convention and, and uh, want to set Papa down without letting him make a speech. And uh, that would have been his instructions at, at this thing. They'd coax some old boy to be chairman and, and didn't tell him what he was facing. So uh, <clears throat> the issue was made uh, with reference to prohibition. They are going to going to endorse prohibition and Papa was against it so uh, Papa got up to discuss the motion or the, the resolution and and uh, the chairman uh, for some reason ruled him out of order and uh, Papa said to Ed no son of a bitch going to keep me from making a speech at a democratic convention and so he proceeded to, to make his speech but in the meantime he'd taken out 
a little old pocket knife he had there in his pocket. It was uh, the blade wasn't more than two and a half, three inches long, but he took out this little old pocket knife, and I recognized it as being the knife that he used in, at night. That once in a while we'd have apples, uh, and at night, and Papa would uh, peel these apples and slice them up just before we went to bed, and give all of us a, a slice or two of apple. And then I also remember that he used that knife for the same purpose of, uh, I mean, for the purpose of paring his toenails once in a while. But I'm sure that, that he wiped the blade off or used a different blade between the, the apple peeling and the, and the toenail peeling. But anyway, there was this pocket knife standing. He stood up in, his, uh, in, in the group there and had this pocket knife in his hand. He made his speech. And it didn't take him long. He just wanted to let him know what he could have a right to. And then he sat down. Well, some Dan soul over a long distance from Papa across the hall, across the store there, he got up and said, well, he said they appreciated the, the heat of Mr. Shelton's passion or something of that nature, but, uh, and, and he had a right to his views, but he thinks that Mr. Shelton ought to apologize to the ladies for what he had called the chairman of the meeting. And so Papa very leisurely got up, and his knife was still in his hand. He hadn't closed that up yet. He couldn't have done very much damage with it. But anyway, he got up, and he said, yes, he says... Uh, this gentleman over here does have a point. And he says, I will apologize to the ladies uh, for what I said in, in their presence. But that still doesn't keep this man from being a son of a bitch. And they accepted that as his apology, and that was the end of the convention. So far as we were concerned, Papa was properly voted down, and the majority went about their way.